You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Good morning. Please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 3 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I want to just ask that you would uh, use this time to speak to our hearts, to encourage hearts, uh, to help us to... Uh, just hear whatever it is that you want to say to each and every one of us uh, where we're at. Uh, Use Keith and uh, bless this time. May your name be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. So we we started last week. I wanted to spend at least four weeks just unpacking uh, our mission, vision statement. Last week I talked about prayer. I felt like I also needed to really felt like we, I needed to encourage you. I feel the same way uh, with today and just through this time that we w- will reflect on our, on our mission statement. Before I get there, though, uh, we have decided that on February 14th is when we're going to two services. So our 11 o'clock service will stay the same. That's where we'll do children's church. That's, everything's the same for our 11 o'clock. We will do a 9.30 worship service, not 9.45, 9.30 worship service, and uh, that will create, uh, the, the space in between that will be, the, will be the space that we'll use for prayer. Uh, you'll still be able to come into the auditorium, but my hope is that after the first service, if you go to the 9.30, uh, you'll hang out afterwards and pray, and if you come to the, the, the 11 o'clock service like this, uh, you'll come a little early to pray. I want all that we do to be about prayer. I want you to be able to come and for us to pray for any, anything that's going on in your life. I'll be you know, in the auditorium for, for that time also. I want that to be, uh, I just want that to be sacred space for, for us as a church. So that's happening February 14th. We will kick, up, uh, kick off uh, life groups. We'll create some new life groups also on the 14th. That's our hope and that's our goal. And I just want you to, to know that. So last week I, I mentioned a, a number of things as to why we need to pray. You know, seven reasons why we need to pray. We looked at the Lord's Prayer. I unpacked that, uh, you know, for you. Spent our time together uh, doing that. Uh, we, we pray because God is our Heavenly Father. We pray because God is God. We pray because God's kingdom is coming. That's the enduring kingdom that we belong to. We pray because it is God who provides for our needs. We, must, we need to pray because, uh, because of our failures and God's faithfulness to us. You know, even though we're faithless, he's faithful. Uh, we pray because of our, uh, that we are our greatest enemy and Jesus is our greatest advocate. 
And then finally, I closed our time last week with, with, with this, that we pray, we must pray because we have lost our way and prayer is the compass to guide us to where we need to be. So that, that was last week. And I want to build on that a little bit. I just want to remind you of our mission statement. We exist to develop, it should be on the screen, we exist to develop followers, there we go, we exist to develop followers of Jesus by prayerfully engaging our communities with the gospel. That's why we exist. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes uh, that feels like a waltz, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, you're familiar with Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Maybe some of you have it as a tattoo somewhere on your body. Don't show us. We, we believe you. Uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Right? Now, we believe that that's in the Bible, and we believe that it was true at least for the Apostle Paul, but in terms of our own experience, how many of you wonder? You know, like, that's not always been true of my own life. Uh, you see it tattooed on, on athletes and so forth and so on. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, you know, living the Christian life and engaging his mission, starting that, bathing that in prayer, it, it feels, I sometimes feel like I just keep getting hit in the face. Do you? Like, uh, or maybe you feel like you keep aiming for the goal and you keep missing. I, I thought of this video, I wanna, uh, this clip <laughs> that I want to show you. Maybe you have seen it before. Uh, if we're friends on Facebook, you've probably definitely seen it before. I want to share it with you. I don't know if you feel like Scott Sterling, uh, to, you know, 2020, 2021, but, um, uh, you know, living the Christian life feels like that sometimes. Feel it, you know, maybe you feel like you've taken one too many hits for the team. Um, I don't know. But when I read... Ephesians chapter 3, there is a power that Paul says that we have uh, been given to, to enable us to live out the mission that God has called us to. You know, these, these verses, I, I feel like are a prayer for, for Meadowbrook Church, not just the Ephesian church, but for us. And for the third time in verse 14, Paul uses this phrase, for this reason, for this reason. Uh, the first time he used the phrase for this reason it was in chapter 1, uh, verse 15, where in those first 14 verses he, he unpacks what does it mean to be a Christian or what it means to be a Christian. He, he talked about in that first chapter that we were predestined and adopted as children of God, that we were redeemed through the blood of Jesus in verses 7 through 12, and that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we are heirs of all that belongs to Jesus in verses 13 through 14. And, and then he says in verse 15, for this reason, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The second time that he uses the phrase for this reason is in chapter 3, verse 1, where he, he, he wrote that in response to chapter 2, what he said in chapter 2. That once we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
that, that we were not only made alive in Christ, but that, that, that it happened as a result of the grace of God for good works that we were made to do. And when Paul said, it's for this reason, for this reason, and he goes on to say, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That God is doing a work in the world. He's using his church to do it. And, uh, and it's a miraculous work. And, 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 and Paul writes, for this reason. For this reason. And in verses 7 through 10 of chapter 3, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of whose power? His power. God's power. Right? To me, though, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given me. It was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that what is the plain mystery hidden for ages in God. He's talking about the gospel. Who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He says, look, I, God called me. There was nothing about me that, that warranted it. I didn't have any ability in of my own self to accomplish God's mission. It wasn't like I was the, you know, the A-team. I'm, I'm just, you know, this is it. This is all you get. And God was able to use me for his glory and for what he's doing in the world. And this gospel is made available to human beings uh, all over the world who, who need it, who have not heard it. And this gospel is also being proclaimed to you know, those in the heavenly realm and those in the demonic realm. Not that, it, that they can do anything with it, but it's a, it's a reminder that God is sovereign and that he is ruling and reigning. In verse 11 and 12 in chapter 3, says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he, was, that, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence to our faith in him. All of history, I said last week, all of history is moving to, in one direction. There's one goal. It's going to be accomplished. Malachi chapter 1, verse 11 in the Bible, I talked about that last week. It says, For the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great, and incense will be offered to my name uh, in the midst of all the nations, declares the Lord. And, and here Paul says, God is doing this work in verses 11 through 12. He's doing this work. It's his eternal purpose. It's being realized through Jesus Christ. And he is using the church. He's using people like you and people like me to accomplish his purposes. So for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knee. I bow my knees before the Father in humble submission, understanding that if this mission is going to be accomplished, it will be only through the power of God that that will happen. Only through the power of God that, that it will happen. So he says, from, in verse 15, from every family and in heaven and on earth is named. Meaning God is sovereign. He, he knows what he's doing. He's able to use whomever he chooses to use. And, and as we read this, this is, I mean, for me, this is hope for me, hope for you, that, that our mission is not dependent upon your talents or my talents how great our worship team is, or what, you know, if I preach a good sermon or whatever. The mission is so much bigger than that. 
Like there are people in Cheyenne that need to hear the gospel. We're called to that mission. And, uh, and so to do it, though, we need to seek God, understanding that it is through his power that we're able to do that. So what I want to do is just give you six, just brief six reasons why prayer is essential for mission, for our mission. So we need prayer to engage God's mission with power. That's verse 16. Like Jesus gave us a mission, right? Matthew 28. The words are on the screen. Let's read this together. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, like, he prefaces this mission with the first sentence. He says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Jesus. He is the one who holds the authority. So then he gives us this mission, right? And then he says, he closes out this, this mission statement <laughs> Uh, that we're called to, he says, I am with you how long? Always to the end of the age. Why? Why would he say that? Because we can't do it alone. We need a power outside of ourselves to accomplish his mission. This power that Paul is praying for is uh, a power that, that comes through and from the Holy Spirit. It comes from that. Uh, this this strength and this power that we need to engage the mission of God is the power that God has already given to us through his Holy Spirit. Like when you're tempted to sin, we need the strength of God to, through the power of the Holy Spirit to resist sin. When, you know, while navigating the craziness of our, of our lives and figuring out what is the right choice, you know, so, I mean, most decisions in our life aren't moral decisions. They're muddied decisions. <laughs> like, it would be easier if this was a moral decision. Like, how do we navigate life? Well, we, nav we can navigate it through the strength of God, through the power of His Spirit. And while engaging the mission of God, as you look for ways to share your faith with your neighbors and your friends and coworkers, uh, you need the power and strength of God to do that through the power of His Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus told us in John chapter 14, it's one of the Gospels, told us that he was going to give us a helper. He was going to give the church a helper. That helper is the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens when you believe in Jesus, okay? If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us, it promises us, the Word of God tells us that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not a multiple thing that happens. That is a one-time thing that happens. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit, and when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? That means that you are secure and you're held by the God of all creation. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, some people have an experience that's associated with being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Most people don't. Like, when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus, like, it, was, it was quiet. It was in the middle of my living room in uh, Parkland, Pennsylvania. But um, others have had a different experience. But it's a one-time thing. 
and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and the only one who has the authority to break that seal is not you. That's why I reject categorically that you, that a person can lose their salvation. I don't believe the Bible teaches that anywhere in the Bible. That if you're a genuine Christian, if you've truly been baptized by the Holy Spirit as a result of your faith in Jesus, and you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, your life is going to change. And your life will reflect that. The thing that comes and ebbs and flows throughout your Christian life and Christian experience is a thing called the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's where the power comes. So I want to unpack that, and I'll, I'll do that by moving to the next thing that Paul prays for in verse 17, the first part of verse 17, and that is we need prayer to abide in Jesus fully. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that he may take up residence in your heart, so that he may take a hold of your heart. Uh, the, uh, the Greek word that's used here in this, in this passage is, or in this verse, is a, is a verse that means to, to, to take up residence in. I mean, it's a word that means to take up residence in. He could have used any other word. He chose to use a specific word that, you know, where Jesus is, he's praying that Jesus take a hold of our heart. Less of, a, less of a hold did he want us to have, did Paul pray that we would have a hold of our own heart, but more so that Jesus would have a hold of our heart. We need prayer to abide in Jesus fully. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Here's the secret. Ready? I'm going to give you a secret. It's in the Bible. It's a secret to tapping into a power that you already have that's in you, and it's right here. And I want us to read it together. Ready? Here we go. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You want, you, you want to know, like, maybe you're saying to yourself, or thinking to yourself, um, I, I get it, Pastor Keith. Yeah, the Bible says that there's a power there, there's a Holy Spirit power there that I can tap into, but uh, that's not been my experience. Here, here's, my, here's, here's my question for you. Maybe you have been tapping into the wrong power source. It, Jesus, I mean, Paul prays that Jesus, that Jesus would take a hold of our heart. And, and by taking a hold of our heart, uh, he will shape our, the, the way we live our lives. Listen, so I've heard people say this. I've heard people say and pray, uh, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Newsflash, you ready? Here we go. You have all of the Holy Spirit that you possibly need. The issue is not, listen, the issue is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. Here's the issue. The issue is, the Holy Spirit getting more of you. And so you're wondering, why is my life a mess? That's probably one of the reasons, right? And so, so how do you get that? Well, well, Jesus said it more, a bunch of times when he was with his disciples. He said, I, I am the branch, you are the branch, or I'm the vine, you're the branches. Anyone who abides in me will bear fruit. He takes up residence in me, will bear fruit. The secret to the Holy Spirit getting more of you is that you take in more of Jesus. <laughs> you know how you do that? By listening. 
Now, I'm not talking about a verse a day keeps the devil away kind of thing. That doesn't work, okay? I'm just letting you know. It doesn't work. Uh, we had poinsettias during Advent, and I'm responsible for killing both of them you know, because I suck at maintaining plant life. Uh, I just don't know how to do it. Like, um, and so somebody in the family brought these beautiful living poinsettias, and I killed them. That's why they look like Charlie Brown poinsettias during Advent season. And I, so I saw, like after a week, I remember I saw them. I'm like, oh, I forgot to water them. And, and so I tried to do like, you know, emergency plant CPR on them, right? Like I, I, I poured water in the, in, the, in the vase thing, thinking maybe that might help. It didn't um, initially. And so what happened was the water ran off the, the dry soil and into the bottom of, of the pot. But eventually what happened was it started the, the soil started soaking up that water. When it comes to... And then they started to regain life again. Well, when, it, when, it, when it comes to the Word of God, listening to the Word of God is not just reading it. It's la- allowing it to saturate the dry soil of your heart. It's called meditating on the Word of God. Thinking about what you're reading. And then, not just doing that, applying it to your life. So you're allowing the Word of God to saturate your heart, you're listening to it, you're hearing the Spirit of God speak through His Word, and He, and he tells you things or brings out things in your life that need to change, and then you begin to apply it, and that's how you tap into the power that's already there in you called the Holy Spirit. That's when you begin to, uh, to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and so it's happened throughout seasons of my life. You know, the closer I am to him, the more I experience the power of his spirit. We need to pray to abide in Jesus fully. What the world needs to experience is a people who belong to Jesus, who are filled by the Holy Spirit because they're walking in step with Jesus. That's what they need to see. And, and as a result... Uh, you will be more freed up to share the gospel with others. Listen, the more of a hold Jesus has on your heart, I promise you, the freer you will be in, in, in terms of the way you were, I mean, you were made to worship God, you were made to know him, you were made to experience him, and you were made for mission, the mission that God uh, is, you know, has created and is engaged in. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith through faith. And the next thing that Paul prays for, and each of these, each of these elements in this prayer kind of build upon the next. Like he's kind of building upon each statement that he, that he makes here. And so the next thing that he prays for in the second part of verse 17 is that we need prayer, uh, we, we, need, um, we need prayer to be grounded in love continually. Look at verse 17 if you're tracking in your Bible. Uh, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So he's using two metaphors here uh, that, are, that, that, that really don't seem like they go together. To be rooted is, is the picture of a plant, right? So in Psalm chapter 1, it says, those who meditate upon the law of the Lord are like a tree uh, firmly planted by streams of water, right? And so that's why there's life there. And then and then to be grounded is to be standing on the foundation of something, right? Or, or to be rooted into, not just rooted into something, but on something 
firm. And so Paul is praying here for the church that we will be grounded in love and, and, and rooted in love. What I believe he is praying for is that we will so identify and recognize the level of forgiveness that was required of God to forgive us of our sins, that it will shape our horizontal relationships with one another and the world around us. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, think of whatever that sin is in your life that you wouldn't even tell anybody about. Like it's close, You keep that one close to your chest. You're not telling anybody about that one, right? Well, Jesus knew it. He knew it. Uh, and, and, and God knew it and saw more clearly how ugly that sin is or was more than you ever could. And here's what happened. He pursued you anyway. And Jesus went to the cross in your place anyway. Uh, that's why Jesus said, he who has been forgiven what? much, much is expected. Meaning um, you, you're required to, to forgive much. Like I said, in the church, we should be the most forgiving people on planet Earth. That doesn't mean that we get a hall pass to go commit any sin that we want to commit. It just means that we need to be a forgiving people and that we ought, we ought to be the most free to love one another. We ought to be the most free to love one another. Like what the world... In fact, Jesus said this. He said, hey, you want an evangelism tool that really works? Here it is. They will know you by the love that you have for one another. That's how the world will know that you belong to me. Um, and so Paul's praying for that. We need that. The church doesn't need to see banners that say Jesus saves, placards that say three, John 3.16. Or not the church. The world doesn't need to see those, see those things. What the world needs to see to know that what we believe is legitimate is the love that we have for one another. And I said last week, I really do believe this. The church has never been so divided as it is now. Maybe I said you can make a case for the Civil War, maybe even for segregation. But um, it's pretty divided. And the world, what the world needs to see is our love for one another so that they will, he they will have ears or, or they will be more willing to listen to the message that God has given us to share with the world. So we need to be grounded in love. And I get this from... Like, I, I, I really believe that this is what Paul is praying for because of what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, which says this. It's on the screen. It will be. Here we go. All right, let's read it together. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's, that, that's what he's praying for, which leads me to the next thing that he prays for here in verses 18 through the first part of 19. We need prayer to experience Christ's love profoundly. Profoundly. Uh, like there's a, there, there are two Greek words that can be translated for no, and, and one of them is uh, oida, or oido, and the other one is gnosko. I am only saying that not to sound smart, because every Greek theologian, who, if there's one out there on listening, or maybe you are one, just realize that I butchered one of those words, right? So, uh, but it's important to know this. Like, the original language enables you to kind of see some of the thoughts and intentions behind what was written in a way that the English does not. Oida is head knowledge. It's, you know, I hear the facts, it's in my brain, okay? There's the other word that Paul uses here 
to, for know, to know the love of Christ, and that word is gnosko. It's an experiential knowledge. It's the same word used in the Old Testament Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, to, show how, to explain how Abraham knew his wife in a marital sense. It was more than just head knowledge, more than he just knew what she looked like. It was a love that went much deeper than head knowledge. And, and Paul's saying the same thing here, that he's praying that we know the love of Jesus. Well, how do you know the love of Jesus? Well, or gnosko, the love of Jesus. When you understand what he did on the cross for you, that he rose from the grave in such a way that it not only fills your heart with gratitude, but it affects the way you live your life. Like that life verse that I have that I keep quoting, and I'll probably even say it on my deathbed, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's more than this head knowledge for me. That's experiential knowledge. Like I know, like I have a... I, I've been walking with God, or God has been pursuing me for, for a long time, and I know that my heart is fickle. And uh, that's one verse I keep going back to. And uh, I, I, I remember uh, having a conversation with Kevin Riley, who was my boss at, uh, at a company I used to work for when I was going to Bible college, I had just gotten back from being away for a month. He allowed me, he let me off from work so I can go to Myanmar to seek approval to marry my wife. Many of you know that story. And when I came back, I was an idiot, a 20-year-old, 23-year-old idiot, <laughs> and, or 24, and I, and I thought I should have a raise. Like, who, who does that? I did. Um, so I asked for a raise, and Kevin, who was a believer, is a believer, a godly man, saw his relationship with me as being more than just uh, me being an employee. He felt like, he, like God put him in my life to disciple me. He was one of those men who discipled me and mentored me. And he just asked me a question. Keith, when is God going to have all of your heart? And that's a question I needed to hear. And maybe that's a question you might need to hear. When is God going to have all of your heart? And Paul prays that we would experience the love of Christ in such a way that, that we just give him our heart. Take up residence in my heart, Lord. Just have your way with me. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, Paul says something similar to this. And he says it, let's read this together, ready? That I may know him. Now, hold on for a sec. That word know is gnosko. That's the gnosko word. Okay, let's start again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's gnosko. That's gnosko. James Montgomery Boyce, who's a pastor, used to be the pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church, gospel-centered church in, uh, in the heart of Center City, Philadelphia. Um, who, he's now with the Lord. But he, he paraphrased this passage in Philippians, and I think it's so helpful, and I have it on the screen for you, and I'll just read it. As I walk your streets, as I walk into your homes, as I walk into your stores, as I walk into your offices, as I mingle among the sons of men, I want to be so living for Christ so outstanding for him that you can see that I am a living one amongst the dead ones. Right? Uh, 
I think if I asked for a raise of hands, how many want that in your life? I think all of you would say, yes, I want to be that Christian. I want to be, be that person. And the Bible tells us that all of, all of that, that, uh, that power and that ability is given to us, not because of a, any talents we have, but because of the Holy Spirit. And um, the closer we walk to Jesus, I promise you, I promise you this, the closer you become to Jesus, as you allow his word to saturate your heart, as you interact with his people, like when we gather together or life groups or other, other things, and, and, and as you apply his words to your life and as you seek him in prayer, I promise you, I promise you, you will, go, you will grow closer to Jesus. And you will begin to experience, if you've not already, you will experience a power that is there through the Holy Spirit. Um, might not always be comfortable, but it will be there. The kind of knowing here is the one that Paul um, referred to in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which leads me to the next point. And this is real brief, because I, I want to get to the last point, and I'm, you know, late, so I'm in trouble. I'll embrace it. All right, so we need, <laughs> we need prayer to continue to grow spirit, spiritually mature. We need prayer for that. We need to pray for each other for that. We need to pray for our own hearts that we will grow in our spiritual maturity. How do you do that? Just basically, we do that in light of everything that Paul prays for in these verses. You begin by understanding who God is and that it is only through his power that you are kept by him. The only way you're going to do that is if you're, getting, if you're seeking to know him. You do it by following Jesus. And by following him, that means imitating his ways, listening to his words, allowing him to take up residence in your heart, allowing him to have more of your heart than you do. We do that... You know, by, uh, we grow in maturity by appreciating the love of Christ that has resulted in the forgiveness of our sins in such a way that uh, we walk in his love so that we can love others as he has loved you. That's what I meant by when I said, you know, symptomatic of how your vertical relationship with his God is how your horizontal relationships are going, your ability to love one another. To rest confidently in the reality that you are a child of the living God and nothing will ever change that. And fifth, to recognize that relationships are a two-way street. <laughs> Your relationship with God is a two-way street. It requires you listening to him but also you seeking him. He knows what's on your heart. He knows what you're going to say. He wants to hear from his children. And this leads me to the final point. And this is brief because I'm going to pick up on this next week. We need prayer to trust in a God who can and will do the impossible for our good and his glory in 2021. Now, I had already decided I'm preaching on this, I was going to preach on this passage um, several weeks ago. I already decided that. Uh, yesterday morning, as I was, I, I, got up, I get up early on Saturday mornings just to kind of work on things for, for the sermon and kind of tie things up, and I noticed this. Um, this is, the, this is kind of how Paul closes his prayer. If you can go to the, the next passage. 
Um, what verses are in chapter 3 here? 20, 21. <laughs> and what is he praying for? Like, how does he close his prayer? Let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Like, I'm like, okay, I think that should be our prayer for 2021 for Meadowbrook Church, right? Like, who's able to do far more abundantly than we ask for? God. Does that mean he's going to give us a Mercedes or a bigger house? Absolutely not. It has everything to do with his mission. You want to know how, how uh, Cheyenne is going to be reached? You want to know how Wyoming is going to be reached? You want to know how uh, the nations are going to be reached? America is going to be reached? Uh, you might be thinking right now, that's impossible. No, no, it's not. God is the, in the business of doing the impossible. Of more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work in who? In us. The power that spoke the galaxies into existence is working in you and working in me. You think your, your marriage is in trouble? You think uh, that God is fed up with you and done with you? You, you, you think your, your wayward child will never come back? Hello? We have a God who's able to do the impossible. Amen? I'm going to pick up on this next week, but I just, I hope you're encouraged by that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this prayer in Ephesians. Thank you that you are the God who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Not for our glory, but for your glory. And we want to be about your glory. We want Cheyenne to be reached for your glory and for their good, for the good of this city. Not just this generation, but throughout all generations forever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.